the birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed? There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Zechariah's prophecy. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies, from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor, Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. I think it was only about two days after Halloween this year, and I went into a local department store, and I could not believe the music that I was hearing playing in the background. It's Christmas music. Three days after Halloween, they were playing Christmas music. It turns out that retailers have discovered the psychological impact of Christmas music. Apparently, it turns out that hearing Christmas music triggers us to buy presents for people. <laughs> and, and that's wonderful, but I don't think that that was the original intention of Christmas carols. For example, in the 1700s, a young man by the name of Isaac Watts was disappointed by the music he was hearing at church. In fact, he called it absolutely atrocious. And he said that to one of the deacons on his way out. And so the deacon challenged him. He said, well, if you think you can write better music, then do it. And so he did. He wrote one of the most familiar Christmas carols, Joy to the World. 
He wrote it when he was 17, 18 years old, based on Psalm 98. And his reason for writing it was he wanted to write a song of rejoicing, a song of praise to God for the birth of Jesus. Or how about how the herald angels sing? That was written by the great preacher Charles Wesley. It was originally a poem that was then set to music. That remains one of the most theologically rich hymns that we sing today to praise the Lord at Christmas. See, that was the original intention of Christmas music. But even those were not the original Christmas songs. The original Christmas songs are found in the New Testament. We're beginning our Advent season this evening by looking at these first songs of Christmas because that is where we find the real meaning of Christmas. We begin with a song composed by a man named Zechariah. This is not the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. This Zechariah is a priest in Jerusalem in the New Testament. We find him in Luke chapter 1 when an angel predicts that he and his barren wife Elizabeth will have a son who will be the forerunner of the Messiah. Zechariah didn't believe the angel. How will I know this is true, he said. And as he stumbled out of the temple that day, he was no longer able to speak. For nine months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, he could not speak. Sometimes we wonder, though, what relevance does that have for my life? What, you know, I can, is God going to render me mute if I don't believe? What relevance does this story have for me? Yeah, when the baby was born, okay, he could talk again, great, okay, that's wonderful. But what is the point for me? Why does that matter? You see, as Zechariah broke forth in song, his words did a great service for us because what he did was he connected the Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah to the New Testament reality of Jesus. Part of his song sounds like the Psalms. Part of it sounds like the prophets. It doesn't even sound like it belongs in the New Testament. It sounds out of place if we really read through it. So why is it there? Luke records it for us because it matters. It's important. It reveals the deep faith of the Jewish people for a Messiah. That matters. That should be important to us. You see, we look at the Old Testament, we see stories of Abraham. We see the story of Noah and David and Daniel, Joseph and Esther, among many others. And those are the pieces that we just pick out and we say, oh, that's a great story. And we miss the fact that all of those stories are there to point to Jesus. They're not just good stories about good people, good characters. No, every one of those stories points us straight to Jesus. 
You see, we can't understand Jesus without the Old Testament. But we also can't understand the Old Testament without Jesus. They're so connected. And that's why Zechariah's song is so beautiful, because he pulls those two together for us in a way that is just beautiful. See, the Old Testament, Jesus was predicted. In the Gospels, Jesus is revealed. In the book of Acts, Jesus is preached. In the letters, in the epistles, Jesus is explained. And then, finally, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is expected again, completely circled. But you know what? If we try to learn about our faith, just starting in the New Testament, at the manger, we're missing the big picture. We're only getting a little piece of it. That'd be like going to the movie theater and showing up halfway through the movie. And then at the ending, at the climax, when everyone's cheering, you're saying, well, what's the big deal? I don't understand. When I was a kid, I remember going to the theater to see Rocky. Anyone remember the Rocky movies? Now, if you just walked in and the last 10 minutes of that movie, when he won that fight, big deal, oh, it was a boxing match, he won. When I saw that movie in the theater as a little kid, I remember the entire theater which was packed, standing up at the end of that movie when Rocky won in two, three, four, and cheering and clapping and thinking, wow, wasn't this a cool movie? You know why they were standing up and cheering? Because they knew the struggle that Rocky had. They knew what he was striving for. They knew the backstory. And that's why Zechariah's song is so important. It tells us the backstory of why Jesus matters. That's important. Let's go through a brief history of the Israelite people. Abraham was promised a nation that numbered the stars in the sky. But then the Israelites find themselves in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh. But God hears the cries of his people. He comes to rescue them, and eventually he brings them into a promised land that he had told them about. But life in the promised land was wonderful, and the Israelites started to forget about God. And so in comes another nation, take them hostage, take them into exile. God again hears the cries of his people. So he raises up a Persian army to topple the Babylonians that had taken them. So they're freed once again. But they're not free from their idea of what restoration and redemption is. In their eyes, they want their own king. They want their own nation. That's their idea of redemption. That's not God's. And so they continue 
Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But the prophets keep telling them, keep looking forward. Keep looking forward. God is in our history. He is active and he hears us. He knows us. Keep looking forward. There's a brighter day coming. A brighter day when the Lord, your God, will be your everlasting light. The prophet spoke of the one who was going to come and rule the nations and redeem his people. Restore Israel to its former glory. They spoke of the one who would be called the wonderful counselor. The mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And so all they kept saying was, where was the one? Where is the one that the Lord has promised us? Where is the one that the Lord said was coming? Nation after nation comes in and rules over them. Alexander the Great comes in. The Romans come in. And they're left wondering, has God forgotten us? Years, generations have passed since the promise was made. What if God had forgotten them? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that you've been forgotten? You prayed and prayed, waiting to see God intercede in your circumstances. But it never met your expectations. See, there's a great lesson for us in the history of Israel. God is always active in the world. He's always working towards his eternal purposes for his children. That's what Zechariah recognizes. That's what Zechariah understood. He understood God's purposes. And that's why he sings. At last, after all these years, generation after generation, the moment has arrived. And as Zechariah looks down at his infant son, he knows that the crucial moment of world history has arrived. In his arms, he holds the baby who will grow up to prepare the way for the Lord. And that could only mean one thing. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is on the way. The wait is over. God hasn't forgotten his people. God is coming to visit us. At long last, the promise will be fulfilled. The wait is over. Zechariah begins his song with, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David. Now we will be saved from our enemies. Zechariah is telling us the whole point of Jesus' coming. 
Redemption. He came to save us. He came to redeem us, to rescue us. It is a reminder that God has always had a plan. Jesus was not a secondary plan. Jesus is not plan B because the other plan didn't work. Jesus has always been the plan. Jesus came on purpose. It wasn't a surprise. His birth and his death were part of the plan from the foundation of the world. Christian author Max Licado says it this way. The journey to the cross didn't begin in Jericho. It didn't begin in Galilee. It didn't begin in Nazareth. It didn't even begin at the manger. The journey to the cross began long before. As the echo of the crunching of the fruit was still sounding in the garden, Jesus was on his way to Calvary. You see, Jesus didn't just come down to see how we were doing. God knew how we were doing. That's why he sent Jesus. He knew that we needed help. And so he gave us help through Jesus. He knew that we needed a king to rule, not over our physical world, over our rebellious hearts, the hearts that were fighting against him in every breath. He sent Jesus to save us from meaningless lives, from futility. We have purpose because God sent Jesus. God knew that without Jesus, our life was futile. He knew that without Jesus, life was meaningless. That's the foundation of Zechariah's song. The redeeming power of God in his saving grace through the one he promised. After Zechariah talks about redemption, he speaks of remembering. Just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago, Zechariah said, he has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore as an oath with our ancestor Abraham. His point is very clear. God is faithful. He is doing what he promised to do. The prophets saw it coming. They didn't know the details. They didn't know when. But they knew that it was coming. They knew and they told everyone, God is coming to visit his people. Micah spoke of it. Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote about it. Even Abraham looked forward to this day as did Moses, as did David. They all saw it coming. All of them looked through this dim mist of history, but caught a glimpse of the future Messiah that was to come, the day when God would visit his people. This leads us to an important conclusion about Jesus. He must be awesome. Because the preparation for his birth, the preparation for his visit to us took thousands of years. 
Think about that. You know, Jesus could have come right after Adam and Eve walked out of the garden. But there needed to be preparation for this awesome event. God drew it out for thousands of years. It's that big. It is that major. If you don't think it's that important, if you don't think it's that major, go look at a calendar. What year is it? It's 2018. Why? Why is it 2018? Because Jesus came 2018 years ago. He made his mark in the world. He made his mark in history so big, they changed the calendar. Think about this. You know, every time a non-believer or an atheist writes out a check, do you know they're glorifying God? They're, they're saying, oh, the date today, 2018. Do you know that's your Savior's birthday? That's a date. I don't know, that clicked in my head as I was studying, and that just made me kind of chuckle because we know 2018 is the year of the Lord. But even those that don't believe, they have to recognize that, wow, something happened. Something big happened to change our calendar. I thought that was pretty cool. (laughs) But Zechariah is telling us this is a big deal. God is coming to visit us. Pay attention. Nothing will ever be the same again. And that's praiseworthy. So Zechariah, he's spoken of redemption. He's spoken of remembering how God planned this event. And then in verses 74 and 75, Zechariah speaks of the revolution that God plans for the hearts that accept him. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. God's goal for his people in every generation that have been redeemed by him is that we might serve him in gladness, in holiness, in righteousness. Paul described it in Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you. Because that is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know your purpose? Look to Jesus. Zechariah recognizes that Jesus came to revolutionize the human heart. It's spiritual transformation. One of the great questions of humanity is, why am I here? What is my purpose here? And Zechariah tells us the answer. 
Jesus came that we may be welcomed into the joyful service of our Lord. That's God's ultimate purpose for every one of us. He saved you so that you could fulfill the highest calling in the universe. Serving God without fear. In righteousness and holiness. Not just for now, but forever. Eternity. He came so that we who were lost would be lifted up in service to him. Jesus came so that we who served another master might serve God, our creator. Jesus came so that we who were afraid to die might serve God and live free of fear forever. He came so that we who once did not please God would live lives pleasing to him forever. He came so that we who were unholy could be made holy. He came so that the unrighteous ones could be made righteous through Jesus. That's revolution. That's radical transformation. Brought about only by the coming of Jesus. And then Zechariah finishes up. In one final burst of praise, he speaks of three great blessings that the coming of Christ brings to earth. The rising sun will come to us from heaven, he said. Jesus is light to those still in darkness. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Jesus is the pardon to those who are condemned to death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Jesus is the guidance to those who've lost their way. We've all lived in darkness at some point. We've all lost our way at some point and traveled off of God's path. But it's Jesus who makes the difference. When Jesus comes into your life, the shadows flee. When Jesus comes in, we find the correct path for our lives. When Jesus comes in, despair is gone. For our feet have found the path of hope and peace. That is the impact of Jesus in the human heart and in the world. Just the world doesn't want to hear it. Zechariah's song can be summed up in one thought. Do you see what God has done? He is sending his only son for us. It is a song of praise that helps us remember God's faithfulness. It is a song that connects the promises of the Old Testament to the fulfillment of them in the new when Jesus came. 
Zechariah's song teaches us to look forward with hope to the revolutionary transformation that God wants to do in us. Because no matter how good you think you are, when you have Jesus, there's still transformation to take place. Because we're not home yet. There's still work to be done. See, Jesus has come to save you. Jesus has come to release you from your fears. Jesus has come to forgive you of your sins. Jesus has come to guide you on the path of peace. These are the words that we all need to hear. As we begin to prepare our hearts this Christmas season, we need to ask ourselves some important questions. Do you believe this really happened? Do you believe that Jesus came with you in mind? Have you ever experienced the work of God in your life like Zechariah is talking about? Because that's the key. The words of Zechariah are just words until they become true for you. Has it ever happened in your life? It needs to start today if it hasn't. You know, Christmas is only 24 days away. You know, there's an app that will actually count down the days, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds till Christmas. That's a little stressful for me. I can't handle that. But, but there are 24 days. Today's December 1st. 24 days till we celebrate our Savior's birth. We can deck the halls with boughs of holly. We can jingle bell rock around the house. We can dream of a white Christmas. We can put up our tree and we can decorate it. We can wrap all the presents. We can experience all of these wonderful traditions with our families, making memories and building relationships. And those are all good and wonderful things. And I would encourage you to continue doing those things. But if that is all that Christmas is to you, then you've missed the big picture. You're showing up at the movie to the last 10 minutes. You see, we have a wonderful opportunity to set our hearts right with God. Zechariah reminds us that Christmas is about the truth that God has visited us. As the commercials keep telling us, there's only 24 shopping days left. Every commercial says to me, time's running out. Get out to the store. Our sale's better than everyone else's. But I would say to you, not only are there 24 shopping days left, there are 24 praising days left till Christmas. There are 24 singing days left till Christmas. There are 24 worshiping days left till Christmas. How are you going to spend those 24 days before Christmas, before we celebrate the birth of our Savior? 
The message in Zechariah's song is that God has visited his people in the person of Jesus Christ. And that same divine visitor comes and knocks at the door of every one of our hearts. Are you willing to open the door and let him in? Can you hear the sound of the knocking on your heart? Do you see his hand in his work throughout your life? It's the way Zechariah said, the prophets have spoken. Look back, remember. Look back in your life. See where God has spoken into it. See where God has acted that maybe you never noticed before. Jesus stands at the door of your heart waiting for you to bid him to come in. Good news, my church family. The visitor from heaven is here at last. He is here for you and you and you. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you too busy to be bothered with him? Or will you, like Zechariah, Drop everything and welcome him into your heart, into your life, and start singing out praises. Thank you, Lord. 24 days of praising till Christmas. 24 days of worshiping till Christmas. How are you going to spend the 24 days? Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you for the whole Bible that connects all the dots for us of Jesus Christ. The expression, the fullest expression of your love for us. Your mercy and grace that's just written across the pages, every page, Father. May we have the courage to look back, see where you've been with us, Father, so that we can have the strength and the courage to move forward with Jesus. May we be bold in our praise of you, Lord. May we sing as Zechariah sang, speaking of your power to redeem us, speaking of your power to revolutionize our hearts. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.